Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Phantom Football Podcast with Simon Short and Roman Summers. It is so good to have everybody back in the building again tonight. Uh, guys, it is such a pleasure to have both of you back on board. As we do it every week, we get to talk NFL football. We are less than three months away. We're like two and a half months away from the actual start of real man football. Like nobody else in the world can do it. Uh, I am so excited. But for now, we are going through some of the teams and analyzing what they can do. Um, we've got a little bit of news articles tonight as well. Uh, Simon, I'm going to jump in with you here. The Buffalo Bills, interestingly enough, extend head coach Sean McDermott, general manager Brandon Bean. Not a surprise, but still interesting. Go ahead and walk us through it. Yeah, so it was announced last week that the Bills extended head coach Sean McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean through 2027. Um, Kind of in the downtime of of the NFL news cycle where I guess they're just kind of hanging around the office getting some stuff done. And, you know, one of those things where you walk into your desk and your boss leaves you a little something, something. And it's a nice fat contract that that pretends that you have job security for the next uh, four to five years. But you know, this is really cool. The Bills have been building this thing, I think, for the most part, what we can agree on is is the right way, kind of slow and steady. It never really feels like they have a huge hole for long and, and they address things and they've gotten better. And, and Sean McDermott is obviously a coach that his, you know, the players respond to and, and respect and uh, I think has proven his value. And I think, you know, an interesting thought to this is, you know, he did just relieve Leslie Frazier, essentially, of the D.C. job, right, uh, after the season, uh, relieve or Leslie Frazier agreed to walk away, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think we're going to see McDermott be a little more hands-on with the defense. So I, I wonder if, you know, ownership likes what they see in terms of that or just two respected uh, men in the building that that have been leading this franchise in, in a good direction for the last handful of years. So I think this is a good deal and by no means means that uh, Buffalo can't move on if they really want to at any point. Uh, Ronan, what were your thoughts when this came across? You know, if I'm not mistaken, a guy by the name of Josh Allen was just paid a hefty amount of money. And uh, uh, this is what happens whenever you find your franchise quarterback. All those people up in the front office all of a sudden get some job security, Mm -hmm. get a couple Mm -hmm. extra years on their contract, maybe a couple bonus bucks. Life in Buffalo is looking pretty good right now. Now, obviously, we haven't seen, you know, a whole lot of playoff success, you know, even though they are handing out bags of money, I guess, in uh, Buffalo. But you got to keep the people happy. They have been successful. They've been trending upwards, uh, you know, before this era of Buffalo Bills football. It, it was pretty rough. It was Vontae Davis quitting at halftime. So I, I think that everything's trending in the right direction, and uh, I, I'm excited to see this era of Bills football continue on moving forward, Ben. Y'all both brought out some interesting points right there, Ronan. I'll start with yours, and that is, hey, you find the franchise quarterback, and all of a sudden everybody in the building's pretty happy. Everybody's making money. Everybody's winning. It's it's not all smiles, but it's a, it's a whole heck of a lot of smiles. But, Simon, you mentioned the key. It's not something they can't get out of if they decide they want to. And this is a Bills team that we all know, as good as they've been and as different as, as it has been from what they were experiencing from all the years before, They still haven't won that Super Bowl. They haven't even been to it. So if, say, two years from now, not this offseason, but let's say two years from now, they still haven't even shown up in the Super Bowl, uh, these extensions might start getting revoked, right? So um, I I would especially think for the head coach, I I really don't think the general manager is going anywhere for a long time. But, I, you know, head coaches come and go. We've seen it in other places. If you don't actually win that Super Bowl, once you win it, you almost have it for life um, in some cases, as long as you're not horrible, but they haven't done it yet. Simon? Yeah, and, you know, obviously that's the goal for all of these teams. And and eventually, if you're a head coach, uh, you know, your words start falling on deaf ears, right? If you kind of have the same result year in and year out, I think that is something we see more in the NBA or, or some other leagues. And, and speaking of the NBA, some that this – makes me think of and it's probably just because we had the NBA draft but as a Washington Wizards fan as a sad 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 Washington Wizards fan um the the new ownership right that that came in in the last 20 years was very happy to just make the first round of the playoffs and, and kind of get those playoff checks and then bounce so they were very okay with 
keeping a lot of the same coaching staff and management because that was what was happening. And as a sports fan, you know, uh, not just not the way we necessarily do it from a league wide perspective, from an analyzing perspective, but as a fan of your team, I think there's tremendous value in just having a good team every single year. And yeah, if you have a franchise quarterback and a good team around them and you're like, we reasonably have a chance at a Super Bowl every year, then yeah, man, life life is good, right? You you keep that coach in place, you keep that GM in place because something's working. You just need a couple twisted ankles at the right time, unless you're playing the Chiefs in 2023, and you can win a Super Bowl. You can win a championship. But there comes a time where, in the Wizards' case, that that 44 wins a season turns to 40 wins, and that 40 wins turns to 35 wins, and those 35 wins just hoping to back your way into the playoffs, right? You kind of lose your way a little bit. Um, I don't think that's happening with the Bills because like we've been saying, they have that elite top tier quarterback. And when you have that, everything else kind of fits in nicely around that. Um, So I think as long as they're in the mix for a while and the uh, players continue to respond to McDermott, I think all is going to be good here in Buffalo. All right, let's uh, move on to just a little bit more news. Ronald, I'll let you hit it first. The Jets, uh, new safety Chuck Clark tears his ACL. The Jets turn around and pick up Packers safety Adrian Amos, a stranger to nobody. He's bounced around a couple of teams. They've been pretty effective, so go ahead and walk us through that, and then Simon, take it over. Yeah, obviously, Ben, injuries suck. Uh, you hate to hear a guy's season is over before it even started, um, you know, before even camp, really. But the Jets did end up picking up Amos, like you said, and he's been a pretty quality uh, starting safety throughout his entire career. Um, You know, maybe not anything super flashy, but he's someone that you can lean on. And uh, I think he will probably do similar things uh, that Chuck Clark was able to Mm do. Um, So I I don't think that there's going to be a super big level and drop off in play. So I'm still excited to see how this Jets defense flies around, Simon. Yeah, I think this is a this is a great fit. It's another former Packer, so uh, that that makes everybody feel good in the building. Um, and you know, above all else, I think just from a an experience standpoint, I guess right when you're adding people to to your to your team this late in the off season, it can be a little worrisome. But for a veteran, a guy who's been in the league for, what, 2015, right? Seven, eight years, as Ben mentioned, two different teams. So you know he's been in a couple different schemes. He, he's probably going to fit in pretty easily, pretty well, especially in that role. And to go back to the point that we made after the draft, talk about why are there are these good veterans that remain free agents all the way through the summer? And this is why, you know, you, you, why sign on somewhere to be the number three safety um, in May or in April, when by June, July, August, you know, a, a starter could go down and you can just roll right into the starting lineup. So that was the first thing I thought of from from Adrian's standpoint, just, hey, you know, there's there's a spot that open. It wouldn't take long to get that call. So I think this is a good fit for both sides. And, and I think the Jets should be able to move forward with really good defense still. Ben? Agreed. I, the Jets are still going to have just a phenomenal defense if all things go as planned. And and really, from now all the way up until about the first two weeks of the season is when you see these major injuries come in in clusters, whether it's an ACL or an Achilles or something like that. And the biggest reason that for that is guys have been off for so long. And even though, you know, listen, they take care of themselves. I know they do. But it's still different going from personal workouts to now team activities and then actual competitive action. And when you start getting these guys back together at first, that's when you start seeing the most of these tears. It's not late in the season. You see it more right from here all the way through training camp, especially, and then the first two weeks of the season, because there's just a big difference. We all know it between being in NFL game shape and being in personal workout body shape. It, it just is. It's just the way it is. Nothing to do about it. But uh, we'll see more of it. Hate to see it. Uh, this is really just the start. But, um, you know, uh, teams know to expect it. Be ready for it. So, all right. Let's talk about a couple of teams tonight. Uh, very exciting. I've got the Steelers and the Lions. I, I, I'm excited about both of them. We're going to talk about what they did this offseason. Simon, go ahead and set the table for those Pittsburgh Steelers, man. All right. So where did we leave off with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022-2023? They went 9-8. and eight. 
missed the playoffs. They were 23rd in yards per game, 26th in points per game, 13th in yards allowed per game, 10th in points allowed per game, 14th in DVOA, 18th on offense, 12th on defense. Ronan, when you think back to last year's Steelers, what do you think? I think of a team that many people doubted to make it above 500. Uh, And then for the millionth time under Tomlin, they made it above 500. Mm -hmm. And and I think that was a testament to both Tomlin as a coach. And and then I want to give some love to uh, Kenny Pickett too. You know, he, he had some hiccups at the beginning of his, uh, you know, starting career in Pittsburgh. And that is not an easy place to play, right? You get fans mad. Everybody turns on you. It'd be pretty easy to get in your head as a rookie quarterback in Pittsburgh. But Pickett turned it around, and he looked pretty darn good towards the end of the season, Simon. that uh, The last game against what Baltimore, right, that was just an absolute fist fight, was honestly what kind of made me open my eyes to Kenny Pickett and say, hey, okay, sure, he struggled at the beginning, but there's there might be something here, Ben. Ronan, you're spot on. I mean, what I really thought about here was Mike Tomlin. My gosh, it's why we we have so much respect for him. Listen, he's not a perfect coach. We all know it. He, he's got a, a flaw or two here and there. But my goodness, he, he just knows how to get this team ready. I don't even like everything he does in the offseason. I like everything he did this offseason just about. But in a lot of offseasons, I don't necessarily like everything he does. But he knows how to get a team ready every season and every week he just does and so he takes a roster that really should not have been hunting for a playoff spot and he turns it into a nine and eight team that's hunting for a playoff spot and you know just total respect there for tomlin credit to the players too they've got some good players but this is a tomlin thing it, it really is yeah the two and six start in the middle of that you go to your rookie quarterback who then gets a concussion during that time and then your guy you moved away from has to come back in and it's a whole mess and by the way let's not forget which many people do everyone's starting to come out with their lists like their rankings of players and stuff everyone's forgetting that tj watt who was the reigning defensive player of the year was just not playing from weeks two to eight um just everyone just, just, just we'll, we'll get into some preview stuff down the road, but just don't forget about TJ Watt. Um, but for this team to be missing that defensive leader, be transitioning to a new quarterback era, that rookie quarterback to come in in a mix of games that included the uh, the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, on and on and on, just a gauntlet of teams to play. Um, and yeah, for, for Mike Tomlin to have those guys ready and and not just ready in the sense that like, oh, they were more competitive than we thought they would be throughout the season. No, this was a team at two and six going into the bye week with a rookie quarterback could have folded and a team with Tomlin as the head coach just isn't going to fold. They go seven and two. Um, Rona mentioned the, the Ravens game, which is in week 16. That was a comeback win that Kenny led week 15 against the Raiders. Same thing on Christmas Eve. Um a, a great win against the Browns to end the season, just, you know, need a little help to get into the playoffs. But um, obviously there have been a lot of these seasons for the Steelers that were just over 500. But as Ben said, it's uh, w- with rosters that not many coaches could do that with necessarily. So I think it was a good season overall, but I can speak from experience. As Ronan said, the Steelers fans will not be very lenient um, and are not very lenient if you're in the, uh, the Facebook groups don't recommend that. Uh, anyways, the ins and outs. Uh, let's move on to the roster standpoint. What this team did this offseason gone are cornerbacks Cameron Sutton and Arthur Millette, safety Terrell Edmonds, linebackers Miles Jack, Devin Bush, and Robert Spillane. In guard Isaac Sayamalu and Nate Herbig, corners Patrick Peterson and Shannon Sullivan, edge rusher Marcus Golden, linebackers Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb, wide receiver Allen Robinson, and safety Keanu. Neil, Ben, let me kick this one to you first. When you look at these ins and outs, what stands out to you? The one I like the best here is Isaac Suamalo coming in at guard for uh, for the Steelers here, okay? Listen, I mentioned how much we respect Tomlin. One of the great strengths of a guy like a Tomlin or a Harbaugh or a Belichick is that they can take almost anybody that they have kind of think is a decent fit, even if it's not a great talent, and plug and play and figure it out. That's also one of their weaknesses. They think, hey, we can just take anybody who's kind of a decent fit and kind of plug and play and figure it out. Well, 
They've been trying that on the offensive line the past few seasons, and it's not been working. And we've been banging on them to, hey, get some actual talented guys in there. Samalo's not a world beater. He's not going to earth shatter everything, but he's not great. A significant upgrade of healthy. So I love, love, love that. It's not the only move they made on the offensive line. We'll get into that later. But I like that at the start. Ronan? Yeah, I'm right there with you on Samalu. But honestly, what stands out to me, if you you know take away all the guys, all the names uh, that are heading in, and you look at all the guys that are leaving, right? Uh, those There are a couple quality starting defensive uh, players that are leaving Pittsburgh. But you look at the guys that are coming in, Herbig, Peterson, Sullivan, Golden, Roberts, Holcomb, Neal, that, that, those are pretty quality starting defensive players. So, you know, it, it was a little bit worrisome, right, seeing all those guys leave. But I, I think that they did a good job bringing in uh, enough talent to where there's not going to be much of a drop-off in play compared to last year. Uh, from that defense. And Simon, like you said, you know, with TJ Watt, a full season of them with all of these guys, you know, we can expect similar numbers and probably improved numbers uh, overall for this team defensively. Simon? The way I looked at a lot of these moves, especially on the defensive end, was I thought about Billy Bean and and the money ball perspective, right? And and I think Pittsburgh went into the offseason knowing how much they wanted to spend at each position. So corner specifically, this stands out. Cameron Sutton got a really good deal to go to Chicago. I think he made about 11 mil a, a season, which for him I thought was a fair fair value uh, for what he's done for Pittsburgh for the last handful of years. But then they bring in Patrick Peterson, who I think is making like in the 7 to $8 million range. And it's like, okay, well, uh, not only do, does Tomlin have a way with these like veteran players who want to come play for him, these future Hall of Famers, um, this is, you know, they, they had a cap for what they wanted to spend on the defensive end. Um, the linebackers position for what was invested in them last season underperformed. And so um, they didn't necessarily go get much better linebackers. I'll talk about that later, but they, they made a much cheaper investment in that. Um, so I thought that was what really stood out. And I mean, yeah, you know, I love the Sam Hollow signing guys. I mean, come on, like uh, going to take over that left guard spot for Kevin Dotson, a young, talented guy who I was so excited about and just never put it all together. Um, the, this offensive line has been revamped in the last couple of years, and I really like the direction it is headed. But yeah, it is a lot of defensive players, as as Ronan mentioned there. Just you do wonder about the communication aspect, the cohesion aspect when that happens. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here more in a little bit. Is there anything else from this perspective of the Steelers you guys want to hit on? You did mention that they're at linebacker. I, I don't know. I still have concerns at linebacker, but you yep. mentioned it. At least they're not paying extra money for it. <laughs> you know, why pay extra money for guys that really aren't paying it out? So you can take that money, use it elsewhere. And then they're so good on defense. They'll figure it out at linebacker. We'll get to more of that later in the show, but I do like that. You mentioned that they were able to, Dropped their prices at linebacker, and they weren't great as they'll be in the first place. So, yep. Simon, absolutely. we we talked about you know all these names, and you know you know you would know better than anyone, right? The Steelers aren't necessarily the the most flashy, right, in terms of free agent pickups. However, I think that they do a really good job of well. First of all, they do a great job drafting, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they also know, you know what they need outside, right? What they can't get in the draft. And I think that this free agency for the Steelers uh, was a really big sign of that. Yeah, uh, I thought once we got through both aspects of it, you see how the whole offseason was really put together. And this was the first full offseason for new general manager Omar Khan. Um and while I think everyone was satisfied with the free agency period, I think it was the draft that really kind of pieced it all together. So now all of these moves that were made in free agency, I think really, really do come together nicely and make a lot of sense. Um, you know, you go get an older corner, but as we'll talk about soon, you're able to draft two of them then. And it's like, okay, you feel a little bit better, even though Patrick Peterson is Patrick Peterson. You're like, man, we just got a corner that's like six years older and is starting to be on the other side of it. Um, OK, we'll go pair him with, you know, a couple of young guys who are going to all kind of be in the mix and work together. Um, 
we'll we'll get to it at the draft. I think there is one thing that I'm still missing here um, that that we'll talk about. But yeah, for the most part, I think these two things, free agency and draft, really got married together nicely this season. So with that, what did the Steelers do in the draft? Well, first round, they trade up and take tackle Broderick Jones. Uh, in the second round, they have two picks, courtesy of the Chicago Bears. They take Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback, and Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle. Round three, tight end Darnell Washington. Round four, linebacker Nick Herbig. Round seven, two picks, cornerback Corey Trice, and offensive lineman Spencer Anderson. Ronan, I'll kick this one to you first. What stands out to you when you think back to the Steelers draft? Dude, everything. Literally everything. Um I could go down the list, but I'll just go ahead and point out my favorite one. That'll be Keanu Benton. Uh, I He's such a Steelers pick, dude. Uh, and I really think he could be one of the best value picks, you know, wherever we look back at this class in, you know, five years. Because this dude, he wasn't necessarily the greatest prospect coming out, but he's stout. He's a space eater. He throws centers uh, off of their base. You can't throw him off of his base. Um, he's just tough to move and for a defense or an interior defensive lineman, uh, that's exactly what you're looking for, Ben. Yeah. I, I liked everything about this draft too. I mean, their top six or seven guys here is all people I was looking at. Me and Simon talked about this philosophically. I don't always line up with the Steelers and yet almost every single draft pick they got was the guy I was hoping that a team would get and the Steelers went and got them all. (laughs) So, um, I'll let Simon talk his way through it. But uh, obviously, I mean, listen, even seventh round, Corey Trice was a guy that could have been drafted as high as fourth or fifth, extremely physical and confrontational. Um, He slid down the draft board, but the Steelers know how to plug in a guy like that. Maybe he gets 400 snaps this year and just beats the crap out of wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, and that's it, you know. But they'll, they'll be totally fine with that. Then, you know, even picking up an offensive lineman in the seventh round, it's just important to keep those young guys coming through the pipeline. You don't always want people as undrafted free agents. You need to draft some of these people. So um, I'll let Simon talk about all these heavy hitters here. Oh, guys. Guys, you know I loved this one. You know I loved it. Um, you, you can go back and listen to our draft reactions to, to hear the whole thing. I won't go through them all. Um, Joey Porter Jr., that's a special pick at, at 32 overall. Pittsburgh was fielding calls for that, that pick uh, after day one of the draft ended before the second round started the next day. And ultimately, they just said they they couldn't trade it. That was, that was a guy that they just could not trade away. Um Slightly off topic, I'm currently sporting a Joey Porter Jr. jersey, which I never do for rookies. I I only get uh, jerseys of Steeler players once they've been on the team for like 10 plus years, something like that. I have Brett Kiesel and uh, I have Heath Miller, Heinz Ward, Troy Paul. I have those guys, right? I don't do this very often. Um, but for Father's Day this year, shout out to my dad. I got him a Joey Porter Sr. jersey. And I had to do the the JPJ uh, uh, jersey for myself. So shout out to my dad for that. But um, let's also talk about Darnell Washington. I mean, there's so many things that this team can do when it comes to putting out their final roster at the end of August because of what Washington brings as a inline blocker, as a potential receiver downfield, um, the athleticism he has, the the strength and the size he has. There's so many different configurations of the lineup that they can make. And when it comes down to creating your 45 to 53 spots, right, those last handful of spots, that flexibility, that versatility is really, really important. So I love that pick. Here, uh, let me be a Debbie Downer here for a minute. And this, this is what I was alluding to. The one thing that I think is still a big weakness for this team, really there's two. Um, we talked about the linebacker position. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been on this carousel since I'd say 2018, 2019 of trying to find these veteran off-ball linebackers to play ever since Ryan Shazier got injured. Um you know, they trade, they do the trade up for Devin Bush. They pair him, I think, that year with, oh man, I don't even know who, a couple of vets that they go out and sign. And they've just been on this carousel for that amount of time since then. Nobody has really stuck long term. Miles Jack was hurt a lot last year. He doesn't stick. Cole Holcomb comes in as kind of the, the, the top dog this offseason, coming off of a foot injury last year. So while I think the linebacking core is better than it was last year, and, you know, Devin Bush is, is gone and that whole, 
um, train wreck really that happened with with that that draft pick and, and trade up for. I really thought this was a good draft to go attack the linebacker position. Um, you know, we we liked our two to three guys right at the top of the draft, and everybody kind of went earlier than we thought. So maybe it was just a sense of the board didn't fall. Remember, Jack Campbell goes at eighteen. Drew Sanders goes right at the beginning of the third round. And you can't argue with the top three picks, right? I mean, Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton. That's still the one thing that I'm like, man, I wish this team had gone out and and found an off-ball linebacker in this draft. That's the, that's the one knock I would have, um, especially because coming off the draft, Nick Herbig, the Wisconsin edge rusher who's undersized, Steeler fans were like, oh, they're going to convert him to an off-ball linebacker. It might take him a year or two um, to really figure it out. But they're trying to they're they're pretty committed to trying him out as edge rusher. And they've they've signed a couple veteran off-ball linebackers here in the last month or so. Um, so then that makes that pick feel a little funky, right? Not not putting him at the true position that at least the Steelers fans are are hoping for. That's the one thing I would say this this draft is missing. But I mean, if you want to hear me gush about this thing, just go go listen, you know, to, to previous episodes and and uh, on fandomsportsindustries.com, you can find my draft grades. This was one of my highest graded drafts. Um, top to bottom. I mean, uh, all these picks, you know, when you tell me, you, you know, when, when I talk about draft picks and oh, I wish they did this, you always say, okay, who would you replace? And it's hard to take any one of these guys out for any of those other guys, man. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. I'm right there with you. I, on the Nick Herbig thing, I too wish that they would keep him as somewhere in the linebacker zones um, and, and not as an edge rusher. Um, I, you, you know how I felt about Darnell Washington even in the third round. Um, I, I didn't like him as a first-rounder, <coughs> excuse me, but as a third-rounder for the Steelers, com, uh, pull it, compare, uh, coupling him with Pat Fryermuth on the, uh, as, a, as a very different kind of a tight end. I love that pairing. You can put them both on the field at the same time, or you can you know mix and match as you see fit. So I love that. But I'm with you there at the linebacker spot. Still a worry for me, still a concern. They'll figure it out. They'll be okay. But could they be better? Yes, they could. Absolutely. And then one other thing, Ben, to your point about don't normally agree with how the Steelers do their draft. And it's something that you and I are very, very passionate about. And that is the offensive line. And that is specifically when you look at tackle, um, Pittsburgh taking Broderick Jones and even moving up for him. Pittsburgh hadn't taken a first round offensive lineman since 2012. That was David DeCastro. Um, the last time they took a tackle in the first round, I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. We're talking pre-Kevin Colbert now, who's the GM for 20 years, and I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. Um, 1996, Jermaine Stevens played for the Steelers for two seasons in a total of 19 games. That'll so do that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, so speaking of the flavor of what Ben is looking for compared to what the Steelers usually do, I think we know a big reason why. And, you know, I and I, I don't even know if Broderick Jones is he's he's not the safest tackle that was taken in this year's draft, but just the sheer swing on, on the guy is something that I think is so important when it comes to offensive line for any team. And I especially love it for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, anything else for either of you guys here on the draft for, for Pittsburgh? Yeah, I will. I will say real quick on the offensive line, the, the Steelers know how to teach and develop offensive line. And you think about that when you actually put in some talent there, it supercharges that whole position group. Like you don't have to go by on table scraps and develop table scraps. You Once you actually bring in a little bit of talent, it should supercharge. It's it's like a video game almost. Uh, I, I, I just wish they had done it before, but they're doing it now. So. All right, let's get into the rating of this offseason before I go any further with this. Ronan, I'm going to give you the first crack at it. How would you rate this offseason 1 to 10? I am giving them a 9, uh, and I think that's a well-deserved 9. Um, yes, they lost a couple, like I said, pretty quality defensive starters in the offseason, but they also brought a couple in. Uh, and I, I don't think they're going to be uh, worse than last year. I, I think that... You know, with a little, it might take a few weeks for that defense, Simon, like you said, to kind of get the chemistry together and be able to, uh, you know, notice certain things and be able to talk to each other, uh, communicate. But I, I, I'm excited to see how this defense uh, turns out. 
So nine for me. The draft was phenomenal. Hit it out of the park. Ben, what are you uh, giving the Pittsburgh Stillers? I was split between an eight and a nine, and I can't split it, so I'm going to give them a nine. It's really kind of where I kind of come down at. Um, I, I'm still a little bit uh, – I instead of drafting a linebacker because it just didn't work out that way, their draft was so good, I wish that they had maybe – which, you know, I – there. You never know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I, I kind of wish maybe, and I didn't study their finances, maybe they had spent a little bit to just bring in one of the good linebackers that was available in free agency. There were a couple out there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty here. I, I, I so much love everything that they did this offseason. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll be a Super Bowl team this year. It just means they made a lot of good decisions this offseason, so I give them a nine. Yep, I'm not going to be the Debbie Downer as the spoiled Steeler fan and, and give them an eight because they didn't go get an off-ball linebacker. Uh, I'm going to go nine as well. Not perfect because, yeah, perfect would have been, you know, trading up for the top tackle in the draft or, um, yeah, signing, you know, one, one of these bigger name off-ball linebackers. Um, maybe feel a little bit better about who the nickel corner is going to be. Um but those 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 shortcomings are are pretty are pretty small compared to some things that could be going on. So I'm also going to go nine. It wasn't perfect, but it was really it was really darn good. It was really darn good. Very happy about it. Um, let's move on to the Detroit Lions here. Let's let's go across uh to the NFC side. Where did we leave off with the Lions last year? Also nine and eight. Also missed the playoffs. They were fourth in yards per game, fifth in points per game. 32nd in yards allowed per game, 28th in points allowed per game, 9th in total DVOA, 5th offensively, 28th defensively. Ronan, you're shaking your head pretty hard when you when you hear all that, when you think back to the line season last year. What do you think? God, they were so much fun. They were they were the darling. They were, you know, everybody, you know, maybe not everybody, but I, at least I was cheering them on like no tomorrow. Um they're just so fun to root for, right? Because they're not supposed to work. They're the Lions, and they're led by Jared Goff, who was supposed to be written off, and you know they're going to be drafting a quarterback in the 2023 draft. And then they get a top-five offense, and everything starts to click. And at the end of the season, the back half, the defense didn't look atrocious, right? They kept them in games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody had the Lions – being a playoff contender on their bingo card. And uh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this new era in Detroit. I hope it lasts. I'd love to see Dan Campbell continue to get on podiums for the next 10 years and talk about biting people's limbs off. Uh, I, I'm all for it, Ben. Same here, Ronan. You, I'll start with where you started. That is, this team was so fun to watch last year. I think they will be this year too. So that's where I start out. My second thought is, Ben Johnson, the OC, I think I've got his mm-hmm. first name. He did more with this offensive roster than should have been done. You start looking at those pieces, it's not bad, but it's not top five material. And yet there they are. <laughs> I mean, Ben Johnson did a heck of a job as the architect here, and he's back. So uh, that's what I thought of. And then this defense was awful, dreadful for like the first six weeks of the year. I mean, just one of the worst defenses ever for six weeks. And then all of a sudden, they worked their way out of that. And while statistically on the whole, they didn't have a great season, they were at least a competitive defense during those last 10, 12 weeks that gave them a chance to win these ball games. And, and you don't usually see a turnaround that drastic during the season. Simon? Yeah, I mean, you, got, you guys said it all. It, it was a ton of fun to root for this team to see what Ben Johnson turned this offense into in his first year as the O.C., to already be getting head coaching looks and for Detroit to drop, you know, we talked about dropping bags earlier, you know, they dropped the bag for, for him to come back last season Um, for the start, the start difference. I, I still can't believe with that improvement on defense. And we talked about it during the season last year, how they found a way at, at, in the second half of the year to always find one thing to take away from the offense, from the opposing offense and to still be this low in all these defensive categories We'll talk about some improvements they hopefully made on the defensive end. Um, but the stark difference between the efficiency of their offense and their defense is what stands out to me the most. Let's go ahead and talk about those roster moves, the ins and outs of the season uh, for the Detroit Lions. 
gone are our defensive back Deshaun Elliott, corner Jeff Akuda, uh, and Armani Owarie and Mike Hughes. Offensive lineman Evan Brown, running backs Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. In cornerback Cam Sutton, who we were just talking about. This is like the fourth week in a row we've talked about the two teams that one player left to go to. It, it's fun how this works. We're, we're going to keep tracking that. Um, in addition to Cam Sutton at the corner, in comes Emmanuel Mosley. Safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Offensive lineman Graham Glasgow. Wide receiver Marvin Jones making his return to Detroit and running back David Montgomery. Ben, when you look at these ins and outs, what stands out to you? It's the secondary. Now, I don't know that they got any more athletic at secondary. Matter of fact, they might even be a little less athletic mm-hmm. in the secondary. But they got a lot more proven. you got two guys there with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Cam Sutton who are just proven good, solid defensive backs who are probably above average, who even on a good day may give you some Pro Bowl performances in some weeks. So I love that. It should help the bleeding there on the back end where the Lions have been horrendous, not for just one season. They have really had a lot of trouble there, and they have tried to address it with draft picks, and it just hasn't always panned out. So they're still not ignoring it in the draft, but you brought in a couple of solid guys here. I love it. Ron? I'm right there with you, and if Simon would have kicked it to me, I would have said the same exact thing, Ben. Uh, That secondary, right, they shipped out all those guys uh, who basically helped make that defense atrocious uh, statistically last season. And they brought in a couple of guys who've been around the block a few times and, uh, you know, have been on you know, successful football teams, uh, or at least defenses. Um, now, another thing that stands out to me, the running backs. They lost their RB1 and 2 uh, in free agency. Well, they signed Jamal Williams – or not signed. They let go of Jamal Williams. His contract was up. And then they trade DeAndre Swift uh, to Philadelphia. So, you know, there was a big question on what the heck are they going to do at running back? Well, they bring in David Montgomery, who's hasn't had the the greatest career so far. I mean, I mean, he hasn't had a bad one, but he hasn't necessarily been that bell cow back uh, that teams typically look for. I'm not going to speak on uh, what else they've done at running back. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but them letting go of Jamal Williams, who had a phenomenal season last year, scored a bunch of touchdowns. They let go of DeAndre Swift, who's always had a little bit of trouble finding the hole. He always wanted to go, you know, big home run plays, never really uh, just never looked for that five yard per carry uh, game or season, uh, Simon. Yeah, I'll talk about the running back position when we when we get to the draft. As you guys know, I will. Um, the defensive backs, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Cam Sutton and um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson coming in. Again, guys who have played in different schemes, played different roles, right? Uh, Gardner-Johnson has played both safety positions. He's played in the nickel. Sutton has played inside and outside, has um, rotated out into a free safety type position in certain defensive schemes. Uh, just two, you know, this is the equivalent of getting two adults in, in a in the room uh, on a, on a basketball team, right? Just you get a couple of veterans to come in and clean up some of the things that your your young guys are are still struggling with. Um, these are going to be guys that the uh, that Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, can move around and count on to say, "Hey, I'm going to throw this stuff at you. We have a really young defense." need you guys to help lead the way, especially in the defensive back room. Um, and they both have been playmakers in, in, at different points of their career. I was just looking back at, at Gardner Johnson's stats. He obviously led the league with six interceptions last year. Um, that was obviously a very high ratio of the passes he was involved in. He also had eight passes defended, but you go back two years, he had one pick and 13 passes defended. He's had forced fumbles. He's had a couple sacks here and there in his career. Just a guy that can do a lot of different things. Cam Sutton has been a guy that has improved in that aspect as well. Um, had a career high three interceptions last year after two in 2021, and then three consecutive years of one going back to 2018. So both guys that can be playmakers on the ball and create turnovers, but otherwise are just steady players who can defend the run, defend the pass, move around. Um, so having that as a chess piece for this defense that struggled early on last year I think it's going to make a big difference when it comes to trying to hit the ground running. Um, no pun intended on the running back comment, which we'll get to now, unless anybody has anything else they want to hit on free agency. The only thing I will say is that 
they're a little soft up the middle in that linebacker defensive tackle combo. We see that's not unusual. We see a lot of teams struggling with that these days, the way the defenses are built. You could make the argument that they could have made more effort here in free agency to pick up at least somebody somewhere in the middle to have done that. They didn't do it. Um, it won't be what keeps them from winning games this year. So, before, because I will get sidetracked here in a minute when we talk about what they did do at linebacker, because I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here in a minute when it comes to that. Um, but they really like what guys like Isaiah Bugs and Aleem McNeil showed at the end of last season. They ended up re-signing Isaiah Bugs, um, and Aleem McNeil really started to come on towards the end of the year. So I think they really believe in those young guys. We'll see if it all works out. Um, but but they have a lot of faith in, in those guys coming back to the team this season. But let's go ahead and hit the draft. What did they do? Well, they did some stuff, man. They did some stuff in this draft. They trade back in the first round from 6 to 12, I believe, and take running back Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama with their own first uh, round pick. They take linebacker Jack Campbell. Oh, boy. Uh, round two, they also have two picks, tight end Sam Laporta and defensive back Brian Branch are those selections. Round three, two picks, quarterback Hendon Hooker and defensive tackle Broderick Martin. Uh, round five, offensive lineman Colby Sorsdahl and round seven, wide receiver Antoine Green. Ronan, when you look at this draft, what do you think? Dude, I, I was I mentioned him probably every episode leading up to the draft. It's Brian Branch. I, I was so relieved. So peeved that he fell as far as he did. Now, I'm very excited that he went to a defense that could really use him. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be, you know, a, a day one instant impact player. But I, I think he's going to have a very good, uh, I don't want to overreach and say career in Detroit, but I think he's going to have a very good first contract in Detroit. Um, just He's versatile, right? He can You can put him just about anywhere in the secondary that you'd like, and mm -hmm. he has a real knack for being in the right spot at the right time. He's an Alabama defensive back. He was coached by the best. Uh, I'm very excited to see him in the sky blue and gray. I love, 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 love it, Ben. I don't know where to start with these Lions, okay, when it comes to the draft. <laughs> I really don't, man. Um, so – I like everybody they got. Let me start there. There's no player they got that I don't like. Uh, they picked up several guys. But the way they went about it was was weird and unusual. If they're happy, I'm happy. Now, in spite of the fact that I like all these players that they got, I mean, the tight end Laporta, uh, I talked about how they didn't address the middle of the defense with free agency, but they did it in the draft with the defensive tackle Martin and with the linebacker uh, Campbell, who we all love. Um, man, I – I like all of these people, but I still feel like they left meat on the bone talent-wise. I really do. This was a draft where you had a chance to add in some humongous, talented difference makers. And while they got a whole host of people I like, they could have walked away from this draft with at least one or two more talented guys. I mean, high-end talented guys. They didn't seem interested in doing that. Um if it works, great. If not, you may be looking on back on this draft in a year or two and thinking, dang it, I wish we'd have picked up a difference maker here somewhere, somebody really special. They didn't do that. So, But they got guys I like. I like all these people. You mentioned Branch, the, the defensive back. Boy, he he works imperfect. Um, you know, and, and that's where I'm at. I like all the people. They went about it different. They left meat on the bone. They didn't get all the talent they could have got. But they got a plan, and if it works, nobody will ever remember. Simon? <laughs> Ben, I'll remember. I'll remember the day <laughs> that we that culminated the five months of talking about the Detroit Lions having all these draft picks, having a pick in the top ten, being able to move on from Jared Goff, and they trade back for a running back after they just paid David Montgomery like a real a real contract. You you know, Ronan talked about all the running backs that were in and out. Earlier, you know, you trade DeAndre Swift, you let Jamal Williams walk. Well, the guy making the most money this year out of all those guys, I'm pretty sure, is David Montgomery. They paid him all that money. And then they they draft another running back in the first round who, if you're going to draft a running back in the first round, I will always, always, always stick to, you better give that guy the ball. You better have the ball all the time. 
or he better make all the plays when he does touch the ball, right? He better act like he's, you know, get the production like he is getting the ball every single time, even if he does it. Um, this is a really big swing because this is, you know, this is a, a kind of a pick you make as a luxury pick, right? This isn't uh, something you do when you're still building, still trying to figure out who you are as a team trying to go to the playoffs. Now, like Ben said, this could all work out. Both guys could rush for like, I don't know, eight have or, or let's say each guy has like a thousand all purpose yards this season and it won't really matter. Um, Jared Goff plays best when he has a running back to throw to, right? That's gives a specialty. I get all that. But you you could have found 70% of Gibbs on day three, right? You have all those extra picks. Um, you had four picks on day two. Take someone there. Now, uh, if you want to hear my full rant, again, go back to the draft reaction. I won't eat up all the time to do this. I, I don't like it is what I'll say. Um, I do like the the fact that they their first four positions taken are when you look at like – what are the most important positions to draft early in a in a draft? They just ignored all of that and took a running back, a tight end, an off-ball linebacker, and a safety. <laughs> like, no outside corner, not a quarterback, not a receiver, not an edge rusher, not even a defensive tackle, not an offensive tackle. Nope. The Ignore all of that. You know, uh, take that for data, right? And, and now, here's where I said I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Because other than running back, what do football nerds hate more than anything else? Off-ball linebacker. Well, buddy, do I love an off-ball linebacker, and do I love one who thumps up the middle and can't, uh, you know, play in pass coverage? And that's Jack Campbell, and I'm so excited. I I love this pick for Detroit. Um, is it maybe a little early? Yeah, sure. But would I have been okay if the Steelers ended up taking Jack Campbell at 17? Yeah, I would have. Would it have been the wrong pick? Probably. Would I have cared? Nope. Um, Detroit. Ben mentioned the issue up the middle for them last year. Watching Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez try and patrol the middle and and take care of everything was a struggle. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible, but for where this defense was, the things they needed to do, and where this team was trying to go, that was not going to get it done. I think Jack Campbell. I think I you know I was half kidding earlier. I think he's going to be fine in pass coverage, but having that guy in the middle of your defense with his length, with the athleticism he does have and with his ability to run and hit and take on blocks, um he he's going to be a starter very very soon for this team. So I, I love that pick. And at the end of the day, if you're not going to move on from Goff or improve from Goff, you might as well make him as useful and effective as you can. And sure, Gibbs will probably do that and was Sam Laporta the tight end I would have taken there? No, but will he be a versatile piece for this offense to use? Yes. You know, the maybe these were the picks that are going to maximize Jared Goff. Um, do I like it from a draft prospect uh, process standpoint? No, not even really a little bit. Um, when we get to it in the regular season, will, will things start to look a little bit better? Probably, but I'll always remember that. They traded down to take a running back. They could have had Bajon Robinson at six. They could have just taken him. No, they traded back for the, the second best one. I, anyways, I'll, I'll end my rent there. Anything else for you guys on the draft? No, sir. Yeah, I'm gonna it, just to double down, and just so people don't think we're we're nitpicking here, the Lions stopping the run was a problem last year. All the entire season, they were. They gave up 146 yards per game, which was bottom four in the league. Uh, they gave up 5.2 yards per carry, which was tied for second worst with the Giants. So it was a it was a huge problem. Now, Campbell will help with that. There's no doubt about it. But at defensive tackle, they're still significantly below average in, in almost all the categories, getting to the quarterback or or in stopping the run. It, I think of it almost like I think about the, uh, the defensive backfield. I wish they had brought in one adult in the room. Um, honestly, and that would have gone great with Campbell. Um, he's going to be fantastic. I, I love it. But still, it's one guy, and, <laughs> you know, they were bad last year, really, really bad at stopping the run. It's not going to be enough for this season. But, you know, you can't fix everything in one offseason anyway. So, you know, I, I, I'm splitting hairs a little bit here, but that's where I'm at. I thought you were going to say it's a little like the defensive backs with the Saints because, remember, we have – we don't have a real bet going for that yet, but I'm essentially on the side of the Saints DBs are going to be pretty good. And 
and Ben doesn't like him. Maybe we'll have to do something similar with the Lions defensive tackles here. Um, all right, Ronan, it's time. Rate this offseason for the Detroit Lions. One to ten. What do you got? I'm going to be a little bit optimistic. Um, and you know, obviously I'm going first, so I don't know what you guys are gonna be giving them, <laughs> but I'm going to be giving the Lions an eight. Um, I loved what they did to the secondary. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how their mm-hmm. running back situation works. And I I liked their draft a little bit. I'm a little bit on the more fonder side of it. Um, do I understand it? No, not really. But I still kind of like it because, you know, you start, you know, what, what, what were we talking about? Reordering uh, the top four picks, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and however you want to, right? It, however you see fit. I don't hate it. You know, like Ben said, they brought in good players. Um, they aren't necessarily the the positions that the data people are, you know, pounding the table for teams to draft. But hey, man, you know what? <laughs> if Jack Campbell is stopping the run and Jameer Gibbs is putting up a touchdown and a half on average per game, who cares? Right, Ben? Yeah, I guess. I don't know what to do with this <laughs> man. I, I don't even I'm know gonna, to compare it to. Hang on. We can't let this slide too much longer. I'm going to give Ben another minute here to think about this. But Ronan is by far the youngest person on this podcast, and he just said the data people. He did. Uh, come on, Ronan. What are you? <laughs> what do you mean are say, you spending too much? Uh, I don't know. Uh, statistical number? analysts? Uh, oh, a real what, title? Whatever. Data, data people. people. Like, you don't know. You, you, I don't. I, who cares? You've been hanging man. out with us on the Zoom too much. Yeah, they they don't know ball. You know, you got to you got to pass the eye test first. You know, <laughs> then then the numbers start to matter, right? Go get some football playing Jessies. <laughs> All right, Ben, go ahead. One to ten. It's almost like your crazy fun drunk uncle who's uber talented and works hard and then takes off to go fishing for three weeks. I mean, it just you just kind of see them. I don't I don't know. It's where do you land with this guy? It's like the Riddler. But anyway. Ultimately, Wait, are you talking about the Lions or Ronan right now? What are you? Who are you? Who are you just describing? Well, I was talking about the Lions, but I mean, if you want to go make comparisons here, he did disappear to Vegas for a while. So I mean, we're not that far away. Listen, at the end of the day, they didn't do it my way, but they did get this roster better. So I'm going to have to give them a seven, and I'm pretty comfortable with that, Simon. Yeah, seven was where I landed as well. Um, I liked so much of what happened here, and I'm pretty sure I subtracted three whole points for the running back debacle. But you look at everything they did with the with the free agency move. You know, we knew they needed to address this defense. They went with the defensive backs in the free agency period. They went more in the front with the linebacker, and they did take a defense alignment in the third round, um, albeit pretty early. That was maybe a seventh round guy that they took in the third round, but they did it. Um, just continue the whole theme of the draft, I guess. But, you know, they, they address the linebacker position there in the draft. They also get some offensive pieces. I like the way they mix and match everything. Um, and I just hated how they handled the running back position. So I took away three points for that. So a seven for the Lions, I think, seems seems about fair. Um, ben, do you have some trivia for us? I do. I think it's interesting, maybe a little deeper than we usually go. Um, if y'all hate it, let me know. We'll never do this again, okay? <laughs> Ronan probably will when he loses at the end, but that's fine. That's, you don't have – it can be a friendly competition, you know? Like, we talk every Monday. Like, it can be friendly. We talk every Monday. <laughs> we talk once a week. It could be nice. <laughs> off to a hot start yes we are i'll try to move through it quickly but just the theme of the night so everybody knows is worst offenses over the past 12 seasons in the nfl okay and so where i went with that was basically in 2011 give or take a season that's when the rookie uh wage scale kicked in so that's kind of when a new era of modern football kind of sort of started making its way okay so that's what we're looking at here um, and really focusing on the worst three offenses each season and specifically yards per game. I didn't go with points per game because a good defense can't, I'm mean, a good, yeah, a good defense can help out your points per game. So I went with yards per game, um, the worst three offenses for the past 12 seasons. Um, and that'll be where tonight's questions are coming from. 
that that uh, reasonably clear, guys? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll try to have five questions here. Uh, first question: How many teams? And I'll give you an option. Give you multiple choice here. How many teams never finished in the bottom three over the past twelve seasons? How many teams never finished in the bottom three? Is it five? Is it thirteen? Or is it twenty? While you're thinking and posting your answers, I'll ask it again. Over the past 12 seasons, how many teams never finished in the bottom three in yards per game over the past 12 seasons? Five teams, 13 teams, or 20 teams? Three seconds. Go ahead and post them. You both said 20. You're both wrong. Mm. So that's a good guess. It's 13 or five. I think I know where both of you will go, but we'll see. Go and post in your second choices. You both both went 13. You're both correct. 13 teams never finished in the bottom three featuring teams like, of course, the Patriots, usually the teams with the good quarterbacks for a long time, right? The Saints, et cetera. Those teams never sniffed the bottom three. Okay, next how many teams finished in the bottom three more than once? <laughs> in other words, these teams at least twice, if not more, finished in the bottom three. Is it six, 11, or 15? These are hard, I know, but we'll get somewhere. Six, 11, 15. How many teams finished in the bottom three multiple times? Go ahead and post them. You both said six. Incorrect for both. Uh, go ahead and post your next guess. I think I'll know where, where you'll both head, but we'll see. <laughs> How many teams finished in the bottom three multiple times over the past 12 years? Um, <laughs> I think I just right. put a non-answer choice in there. Whatever <laughs> that middle one was. <laughs> well, I, Simon, you put 13. Uh, I, I, you, you meant 11, I, I suppose. Of course. Yeah, that one. Okay. All right, no, we'll I think he meant 13. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he meant 13. <laughs> We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt this week. Uh, you're both right. It's 11. 11 teams finished multiple times. And what would usually happen is teams would have two consecutive seasons where they just really bad on offense is what happened there. Um, next, get, next question. One division out of the eight divisions, one division – only had one team ever finished in the bottom three, and that team only finished in the bottom three once. What division was that? One division had only one team finished in the bottom three, and that team only finished in the bottom three one time over the past 12 years. I think I've got one. Oh, yeah. This is All right. Go ahead and post them. Ronan says the AFC East, and Simon says the NFC North. And Simon is right. Mm. <laughs> Boom. Simon that, has, Patriots, oh. that Patriots offense after Brady is what uh, – that's what I was shooting for. Simon, how did you get there? The Lions are real bad, and the other teams have always been pretty good. Okay, fair enough. All right, uh, and uh, see, Ronan, you had the AFC East, correct, on that last I did, season. I did. So Losing. they actually were pretty good, too. The Bills and the Patriots never finished bottom three, but the Dolphins did once, and the Jets did three times. So the Jets is the team that really, really killed that division. On the flip side here, one division, <laughs> one division had all four teams finish in the bottom three at some point. In fact... All four teams had multiple appearances in the bottom three during the past 12 years. Which division was that that had a total of nine bottom three appearances and every team in the division had at least two appearances in the bottom three in yards per game? All right, go ahead and post your answers. Running shook. <laughs> Yeah, Ronan. That's probably that. that is the yeah. They could be those two. Ronan says the NFC West. Simon says the AFC South. Y'all got the correct two divisions. So excellent work there. 
but the correct answer is the AFC South, Simon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's heating up. He's heating up. Don't let me get one. Don't let me get one. The Seahawks I, ruined that in the NFC West, right? Yeah, the it, as that. I was sitting there, uh, I had it typed out, and he said, all right, go ahead and post it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. Seahawks <laughs> have been good the past 12 years. Oh, well. You live and you learn. By far and away, the two worst divisions. You got them both. Um, so for the for both of those divisions, again, the, the Seahawks were the only team that didn't have a bottom three appearance. All seven of the other teams had multiple. So I was surprised Very, about the Titans. I didn't know if it was ever that bad that uh, that number of times, but I just always think of defense first, no matter who the head coach is. So that was right. Yeah, that was the last one I could really think about. Real quick for the Titans, last year in 2022, they were bottom three with 296.8 oh, yards wow. a game. And then all the way back in uh, 2015, they had 311. Um, for the most part, if you earn a bottom three spot, that means you were under 300 yards per game. And if you didn't, you were over 300 yards per game. That was pretty much the dividing line in most of these seasons. It is two to nothing, Simon, so I don't think Ronan can can come back, but we will have one more question. What team, I think by 20 yards per game, (laughs) what single team had the worst yards per game performance, and it was in 2018, out of the past 12 years? 2018, they had 241 yards per game that year. I would I give you multiple choice. Okay. Out, but let me get clarification first. Is this 2018 is the fall and winter and into 2019? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. Go ahead with choices. So here's your choices. I'm going to give you four choices. All right. Jets, Cardinals, Bengals, Rams. 2018, 241.6 yards per game. It was Worse than anybody else over the past 12 years by about 18 to 20 yards per game. So it was they beat it by a country mile. Jets, Cardinals, Bengals, Rams. I got some thinking going on, so I'll do a three-second countdown for the audience. Mm. Three, two, one. Post them. Ronan says the Jets. Simon says the Bengals. Neither choice is correct. Mm. I'll give y'all one more here. It's either the Cardinals or the Rams. 2018. Go ahead and post them. I won't do it. I won't do it. I'll take that with three. I don't care. I'm not. Ronan, Ronan the Cardinals, and Ronan's got it right. Never mind. mind. One, two. One, two. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that was right. 100%. So I I <laughs> scoreboard. Um, I tried to do it based on who the quarterbacks in the draft were, and I completely forgot about Kyler. I guess I was overlooking him. Um, but dang, nobody caught that. I hope a listener caught that one. Oh, Anyways, boo, overused. <laughs> boo. Um, Listen, and, I hate and, to be and, mean. God, go ahead, Simon. I'll, I'll toss in. But that, that first golf ram season, right? The last Jeff Fisher season, that was like a pretty close to historically bad offense, right? Where he started like half the games or something. Probably so. I would have to pull up that roster. I am not that brilliant, unfortunately. Yeah. So um the tiebreaker was gonna be, and I did not know this until I did the data work. One team finished far and away in the bottom three more than anybody else, and it was the Rams five times over the past 12 years. They have finished bottom three. In fact, they finished as the worst three times. Um, That surprised me. I I knew they had some struggling seasons. I didn't realize that there were – we we all think of the the super Rams from 20 years ago and then the recent Rams, uh, but they have had some some down seasons as well. I'm sure Ronan probably would have been able to guess that. Yeah, the time in between stunk. <laughs> not fun. Not fun. Yeah, those I'm were the, done, the Bradford teams to the Goff teams to the who's in who's in between them? Between Bradford and Goff. Uh Case Keenum was there. I think Sean Hill. Um oh, Nick Foles. 
Um, God, who else did we have? Yeah, I'm 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 blanking on names, man. There there was a period of or a, a time where it was pretty rough. Yeah, so Actually, they were worst. They yeah. were worse last year, and then they had two back-to-back -back seasons, 15 and 16, before they really built this modern team, where they were worst again both years. And then they had a couple more appearances in the bottom three as well um, earlier in the decade. Tough. Tough. All right. Anything else for you guys before we get out of here? I, you know, I do want to note that, you know, the the Rams obviously struggled, you know, in the past. But you shout out to Steven Jackson, right? He was on mm -hmm. all those terrible, terrible, terrible offenses. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Completely underused. Well, actually, probably overused, but undervalued. Um, just I'm so sorry, Steven Jackson. If if you somehow hear this one day, I'm so sorry. And and you were great. You you made a lot of people who cheered on St. Louis happy. Like all six people, that's why they left. But you know, I can personally Jackson. attest to hopping on a, a Madden franchise and trying to fix the Rams for Steve Jackson. And I'm sure many, many people did that. Rona, I wasn't sure if that was a bit at first and I was supposed to do the interrupting you thing, but I would never <laughs> interrupt a, a Steven Jackson soliloquy. So glad that did not happen. Uh, before we get out of here, listeners to the Phantom Football Podcast, we do have an announcement to make. More details to come in the next week or so, but things will be changing for the Phantom Football Podcast. Me, Ronan, and Ben will all be back. Nobody worry. Ben, maybe a little bit later than the rest of us, um, but no real changes to your weekly listenership of the podcast will have to change. But make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. So wherever you're listening right now, just go ahead and hit the little button to subscribe. That way, all the episodes come right down to your phone or other device uh, as soon as we release them on Tuesdays, we'll still be on Tuesdays. Um, our our Twitter account will still be the same, but you will see some changes. This is our last official week, our last episode as the Phantom Football Podcast. Um, we do have some exciting announcements that we will fill everybody in on next week. Um, but just wanted to get that out there. So make sure you are subscribed to the show. Make sure you are following on Twitter. Um, nothing will change as long as you are doing those two things. Everything will be the same for you. We will all be here uh, in the next week or two and moving forward. Um, but we just wanted to take an, uh, uh, one last moment here to say this is our last week as the Phantom Football Podcast. And, and we just thank everybody at Phantom Sports Industries for all the support uh, with helping us get this podcast off the ground. Um, so still go support phantomsportsindustries.com. Uh, check out the other pods that are still uh, that that are over there on that site as well. Um, but changes to come, so stay tuned for that. And with that, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Phantom Football Podcast. Everybody have a great week. We will talk to you next time.